Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Elhamdülillahi Rabbil alemin. Vessalatu vesselamu ala eşrafil enbiya'i vel mursalin. Seyyidina ve nebiyina ve mevlana Muhammedin sallallahu aleyhi ve sellem ve ala alihi ve sahbihi ecma'in. Rabbi şrah li sadri ve yassir li amri vahlul uqdatan min lisani yafqahu kavli. Esselamu aleykum ve rahmetullahi ta'ala ve barakatuh. Ahlan ve sahlan ve merhaban bikum. Welcome back to Hajj, the journey of the heart. I'm your host, Manana Irshad Siddiq. And in this program, we take you on the journey of Hajj alongside the Hujjaj, at least in spirit and in terms of knowledge, so that we can be aware of what we need to know pertaining to the Hajj, even though we ourselves are not participant in that amazing act of ibadah, and so that we can prepare ourselves to take off the benefit that exists within the Hajj for ourselves as well. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala place khair and barakah in our time together. Ameen. Now, I'm sure that we have all heard that there are days of the year that are the best days of the year and these days are currently with us. They are the 10 days of the month of Dhul-Hijjah, the first 10 days. We also know that we are approaching Eid al-Adha and because we are approaching Eid al-Adha by necessity, these days also include the five days of Hajj, or some of them. But now the question is, for you and I, why have we been told that these days are so significant? What is the significance of these 10 days? Now, last time we spoke, we mentioned that these 10 days were marked by Rasulullah as the best time in the year to perform good deeds. Good deeds, any good deed, performed during these 10 days are more beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala than deeds performed any other time. And we went through the narration saying that even jihad and so on. So now we, we zoom into the question a little bit further and we ask, why are these days so significant? Now there are a number of reasons for the significance of these days. First and foremost, and the most obvious one, is what we've discussed already. But did you also know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes an oath by these 10 days in the Qur'an. In fact, it's a bit hidden because in Surah Al-Fajr, Allah says, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim, Wal-Fajr walayalin ashr. By the dawn and by the 10 nights. So one wouldn't immediately think that this is a reference to the 10 days. But Abdullah ibn Abbas, Abdullah ibn Zubair, Mujahid and others of the early Mufassirun, as well as of the later generations, they were of the opinion that this refers to the first 10 days of the month of Dhul-Hijjah. And Hafid ibn Kathir said, this is the correct view in his opinion as well. The Prophet taught us very clearly that these are the best days in the entire year for a believer. And this does not mean that the entire 24 hours is the best because we know that the nights the best nights of the year are the last 10 nights of the month of Ramadan. Now, those nights are significant because they contain within them a very special night, and that is the night of Qadr. These 10 days are significant because within the days, there's one very, very special day, and that is the day of Arafah. The Prophet ﷺ encouraged people to do good deeds. So he would say that these days you should fill your time with saying subhanallah that's tasbih saying alhamdulillah which is tahmid and allahu akbar which is takbir 
And these are, these are different words of adhkar or remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the pronouncement of the word is intended to spark a thought and a feeling in the heart. Abdullah ibn Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhuma reported that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam said, there are no days greater in the sight of Allah in which righteous deeds are more beloved to him than these 10 days. So during this time, recite a great deal of Tahleel, La ilaha illallah, Takbir, Allahu Akbar, and Tahmeed, Alhamdulillah, narrated by Imam Ahmad, and it is graded as authentic. So if the last 10 nights of Ramadan are so special because of Laylatul Qadr, then the, the first 10 days of the month of Dhul Hijjah are so special because they contain the day of Arafah. And in this day, or on this day I should say, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala perfected his religion and completed the revelation of the ahkam, the vir- not the virtues, the, the laws, the uh, sacred laws that he revealed to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Those were concluded on this day. There were still some, you know, short passages and ayat revealed uh, after the Hajjatul Wada of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. But many scholars were actually of the opinion that the verse Al-Yawma Akmaltu Lakum Deenakum, that that indicated the end of revelation. But it was not the end of revelation in its entirety, but rather the end of the revelation of Ahkam. So the verse reads, Al-Yawma Akmaltu Lakum Deenakum, on this day I have completed or perfected my religion upon you. Wa atmamtu alaykum ni'mati, and I have perfected my favor upon you. وَرَضِيتُ لَكُمُ الْإِسْلَامَ دِينًا And I, Allah, am pleased with Islam as a way of life for you. So this day is then followed up by Yawmul Nahr. Alright, the 9th of Dhul Hijjah is followed up by the 10th. So the 10th of Dhul Hijjah is going to be Eid Al-Adha. And this is another significant day within the first 10 days of Dhul Hijjah. It is called the greatest day of the entire year in some narrations and the greatest day of Hajj because it combines so many different components of worship. It combines the tawaf, the sa'i, the sacrificial animals being slaughtered, the Eid Salah for those not performing Hajj. So many things are happening for the Hujjaj, but many things are also happening at the same time for us. Now we may ask, what is so significant about these days for us. We are not performing Hajj. We are not so fortunate. May Allah make us so fortunate and may He take us again and again to perform Hajj and Umrah for His sake. Ameen, Ya Rabbal Alameen. So what are we supposed to be doing? What are we supposed to be avoiding? And what is the main objective for ourselves during this time period? Well, for one, we are supposed to be avoiding Haram even more than usual because these are sacred months. And this is a very special time. And like we avoid haram in Ramadan, we should be avoiding haram now, especially during the day because of the significance of that time. But of course, we know we always avoid haram, inshallah. What are we supposed to be doing? Well, that is a very interesting conversation that we will engage with immediately after the break, inshallah. Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah wa ba'd. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah and welcome back to Hajj Journey of the Hearts. 
We are asking about the days of Dhul Hijjah and what we are supposed to be doing for us to also benefit from this amazing time, this blessed time, despite the fact that we have not been so fortunate to be blessed with Hajj. Is the Hajj only for the Hujjaj or do we get to benefit from it as well? Already we know that there's a connection between the non-Hujjaj and the Hujjaj in that there are special acts of, of worship specifically for the non-Hujjaj. For example, the sunnahs of abstaining from trimming the nails and trimming the hair is unique to a non-Hajji. The person who's going on Hajj will have to prepare for ihram and therefore trim their hair, trim their nails, etc. and get into the state of ihram. Those not performing Hajj, they have the sunnah of fasting for the day of Arafah. And we'll get to that conversation a little later. But it is sunnah for them and it is not sunnah for the hujjaj except under certain circumstances. Then we know that the Prophet ﷺ gave general virtues of doing tahleel or tahleel I should say, tahmeed and takbir to recite different forms of adhkar so our days should be filled with dhikrullah. And while there is a very important element of abstaining from haram as, as your first call of duty. In other words, before you start engaging in extra good deeds, first ask, look, what are the bad deeds that I persist in? And I need to make tawbah from that first because abstaining from haram would take precedence for me over doing extra supererogatory deeds. So during this time, switch the TV off. Don't engage in looking at that which is haram. Don't engage in illicit conversations or anything that would displease Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in relation to one's tongue and what one says. Don't listen to haram. Don't speak haram. Try to avoid bad company. And instead, fill your time with the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Listen to Quran. Listen to Quran translations. Listen to beautiful and inspiring nasiha of the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Recite more Quran. Have an allotted time for dhikrullah. Now towards the end of the program, we'll be going through a basic program of khair. But more important right now is that we also understand that the main day is the day of Arafah and it is the day of Eid. And the day of Eid also falls in the first 10 days of Dhul Hijjah. And therefore, another very important sunnah that we should uphold is the recitation of the takbir. And the takbir for Eid al-Adha is somewhat different to the takbir of Eid al-Fitr in the times that we have to recite it or the times that it is sunnah to be recited in. Eid al-Fitr is general, so we recite it throughout from the time the moon is sighted until the salah takes place uh, for the Eid ritual on the day. But the day of Eid al-Adha is different because this takbir follows the maktubat, the five daily prayers. So we start from the very beginning and we take it right through the days of tashriq. We recite the takbir for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now we will get we will get to have a conversation about the, the Eid and the Takbir and exactly when it starts and so forth in a later program, but right now we want to get an idea of how we are connected to the Hujjaj. So when the Hujjaj are you know, on Mina for the days of Tashrik and they are pelting the Jamarat, 
the rest of the world's Muslims, they are also fulfilling the sacrifices for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and engaging in the takbir. And we share in the same type of ibadat during this time. One of the main good deeds that we need to really look forward to and prepare for is offering the sacrifice for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What we refer to locally as a qurban, uh, a means of drawing closer to Allah, and what is referred to on a more formal basis as the udhiyah. And the udhiyah is sacrificing certain animals with certain specifications on the days of Eid for the sake of Allah, Rabbul Izzati wal Jalal. This is what we are doing and this is how we are connected to the Hujjaj at this time. But what are the Hujjaj doing? Where are they and what, what are they busy with at this moment? Does the Hajj that they are performing only benefit themselves and their families to the point where their families can look forward to, to sort of benefiting from the supplications and from the du'as? But those of us who don't have family performing Hajj, those of us who don't have any friends or loved ones performing Hajj, do we miss out on this amazing day? Is it that specific that only some benefit? So the answer is, an, is a resounding no. The day of, of Hajj, the day of Arafah, is so beautiful and so blessed that every single creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala benefits from that day. How so? On that day, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala frees more souls from the fires of Jahannam than any other day. Allah answers the supplications of the newborn babies standing on Arafah, crying to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and making dua for each and every one of us. Don't for a second think that if we are included in somebody's prayer only in a general sense, for example, Somebody says on the, on, on the plains of Arafah, Oh Allah, forgive the Ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Have mercy on them, protect them, guide them, O oh Allah. Take us from the darkness into the light. Can anyone dare say that Allah azza wa jal will refuse to answer that dua on behalf of each and every one of us? Anyone who would even dare think such a thought doesn't really know their Rabb subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy is infinite. And if Allah forgives every single believer, just like he forgives those standing on the plains of Arafah, wallahi, it is not impossible for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah ta'ala will give khair and barakah as the hujjaj ask for it for everyone. And for this reason, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam taught us to make the dua Allahumma ghfir lil hujjaj wa liman istaghfara lahumul hujjaj Oh Allah forgive the hujjaj and forgive those for whom the hujjaj seek forgiveness for and for whom they pray for May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us of them and when we come back after the break we'll find out more about what exactly the hujjaj are up to and when exactly they have Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wassalatu wassalamu ala rasulillah, wa ba'ad, ahlan wa sahlan wa marhaban bikum. Welcome back to Hajj, the journey of the heart. I'm Maulana Irshad Siddiq, and we are asking the question about where are the hujjaj right now? Some of them left for six weeks hajj, some of them for four weeks, three weeks, etc. Some people just go for two weeks. So are they performing a different hajj entirely? 
Well, from one perspective, perhaps some people could be performing tamattu', some people could be performing kiran, some people could be performing ifrad. This is the different ways of donning the ihram and whether one comes out or not, whether one pays the dam or doesn't. Those technicalities we all have to learn and study, especially when we are traveling for hajj and performing our fard hajj. But essentially, Al-Hajj Ashru Ma'lumat, the months of Hajj are the well-known months. So the months of Hajj, the season of Hajj, starts immediately after Ramadan, Shawwal, Dhul-Qa'dah, and the first 10 days of Dhul-Hijjah. But the days of Hajj are five. That's right, just five days. Hajj commences on the 8th of Dhul-Hijjah. So right now, we've covered, uh, I think we're entering into the third night of Dhul-Hijjah. And we've covered so many days, uh, two full days of the, of this particular period already. When we reach the 8th of Dhul-Hijjah, for the Hujjaj at least, you know, according to their own calendar there, they will go into the state of Ihram for Hajj. They've completed their Umrah, but now they will go into the state of Ihram again. Not having to go to the Miqat, not even having to go outside of the haram, the haram area, which we call the Hill, so they don't go to Masjid Aisha or Tan'im. From where they are in Makkah or Aziziyah, wherever they are situated, they will don the Ihram. The Sunnah time is after Duha, but we don't always get to choose when because sometimes, well, most of the time the Hujaj have to be ready from before Fajr and they could depart as soon as Fajr. As, as soon as Fajr's Salah has completed. So where do they go to from there? Do they go to Arafah? No. The Hujaj first proceed to Mina. Because the eighth day is called Yawm Tarwiyah, the day of the watering. Now the day of the watering is the day when the Prophet وسلم, and the Sahaba, they prepared their livestock, they prepared their caravans to proceed to Arafah. In order to prepare, they gave all of the animals and themselves a chance to rejuvenate, rest, and prepare themselves physically by drinking fluids, watering the animals, etc., so they could prepare for what comes the following day. So we camp on Mina for the period of five waqts, ideally. Once again, we don't always have control over how long exactly we stay because sometimes we have to depart the following day before Fajr. But the ideal sunnah is to remain until after Fajr so that we can experience five waqts on Mina. And then we said now after Fajr, so if it's after Fajr the next day, that means it's now the day of the ninth of Dhul Hijjah. So they spent the eighth day, the ninth night, and the early morning on the ninth day, they proceed to Arafah. And of course, the Hujjaj then commence with the most important element of the Hajj. The Prophet said, Al-Hajj Arafah. Hajj is Arafah. So based on this, technically somebody could still go right now if the routes were open and if it was permissible and you know we had all our red tape in order. Somebody could still go right now. In fact, they could still leave, for example, on the 5th of, of Dhul Hijjah. And in that case, it would be easy to perform, for example, a, an Ifrad Hajj, right? Or a Kiran Hajj. You could remain in Ihram. You don't Ihram, you stay in Ihram. But be that as it may, we 
commence with our Hajj, our actual Hajj, on the ninth day of Dhul Hijjah. Remember, even if one of the, the Hujjaj were left behind or they, they were ill and they couldn't make it to Mina on the eighth day, they missed a Sunnah. But the actual Hajj is Arafah. They have to be there. We, the rest of us, those who have not been so fortunate this time around to stand on the plains of Arafah on that day, we are supposed to engage in the highly recommended act of fasting on that day. The Prophet ﷺ taught us that fasting on the day of Arafah, that he has hope that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to forgive two years of sinning, the year prior to that day and the year after that day. Subhanallah. Imagine, this sunnah is such an important one for all of us because, you know, the last year, in fact, the last couple of years have been fairly hard and we've fallen on difficult times. And even if we don't consider ourselves as, you know, uh, people who've committed major sins, no one can claim that they are free of sins. And in addition to the, the sins that we want forgiveness for, we also want of the blessings of that day. So what are the blessings of that day exactly? And we know some of them now. Are there more? In the narrations of Imam al-Bukhari and Muslim, in the Sahih compilations, it is reported that Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he met a Jewish man who said to him, O leader of the believers, there is a verse in your book which you recite. If it had come to us, yani the Yahud, we would have taken that day as an Eid. In other words, the day that that verse was revealed. So Umar radiallahu an asked, which verse is this? So the man replied, اليوم أكملت لكم دينكم وأتممت عليكم نعمتي ورضيت لكم الإسلام دينا سورة المائدة chapter number 5 verse number 3 which says this day اليوم today I have perfected your religion for you I have completed my favor upon you and I have chosen for you Islam as your way of life as your religion so Sayyidina Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu responds to the man and he says I know on which day and in which place that verse was revealed to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. It was when he, it was when he was standing in Arafah or on Arafah and it was on a Friday. And in fact, that period, as you know, because the very, the very next day is, it is in fact an Eid. So the beauty of this verse is it, it, it really encapsulates the perfection of Islam, that Islam is there as a solution, as a guide for the entire realm of creation till the day of Qiyamah. Because if Rabbul Alameen, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala declares that he has perfected something, then wallahi, it is perfect. And you cannot, you cannot get away from perfection by improving on something. There's no improving on perfection. So the deen of Islam as we have it is perfect. It will always be perfect. New circumstances, new challenges have, have come and they've gone also. And then other challenges have come and gone since the time of the Prophet And the ummah has gone through ebbs and flows. And we have risen and we have sunk. And perhaps we are, as an ummah, in a very conflicting time because on the one hand Islam is spreading mashallah as the fastest religion 
in the world. There are those who crave the guidance that Allah has to offer within this beautiful deen. But on the other hand, the fitan that we are exposed to as servants of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it very challenging to become high quality servants of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But this verse really teaches us that even though we may struggle, even though our implementation of Islam may be challenging, Islam itself is perfect because Allah has declared it such. And you cannot improve upon perfection. So we don't need to worry about what else can we do or how we can make things different, etc. We've got guidance till the end of time. Then, furthermore, this period, especially on the 10th day, is the day of Eid, Eid al-Adha, the Eid of the sacrifices of the people. The Prophet said, Al-Hajj Arafah, Hajj is Arafah. And he also said, Yawmu Arafah, the day of Arafah, Yawmu Nahar, the day of sacrifice, and the Ayyamu Tashriq, the three days following the day of Eid al-Adha. This is an Eid, a festival for us, the people of Islam. These are the days of eating and drinking and remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu said, the verse that you referred to was revealed on a Friday, the day of Arafah, both of which, praise be to Allah, alhamdulillah, are Eids for us. So it's a, it's a time of celebration for us as an ummah. What are we celebrating? We are celebrating the sacrifices that we make for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And by that, we're not only referring to, we are not only referring to animal sacrifices, but the the best and most valuable sacrifices we can make to Allah are the sacrifices of our sins, sacrifices of our desire for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, where there is conflict between our desire and the desire of Allah. Interestingly, this day, the day that we speak of, is also a day that Allah ta'ala takes an oath by in the Qur'an. Allah calls it mashhud, the day that is witnessed, the witnessed day. Right? And when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about this in Surah Al-Buruj, that's chapter number 85, verse number 3, Allah takes an oath by the Friday, by the witnessing day, وَشَاهِدٍ وَمَشْهُودٍ the, the Friday and the witnessed day, meaning the day of Arafah. And as we've heard before from our scholars, that when Allah takes an oath by something in the Qur'an, it is to shine importance, shine attention on that particular matter, and there are other reasons as well, but in this case, that's the one that, that, really, uh, that is really relevant. Then, fasting on this day, what other ibadah have you heard of where you just fast on one day, but the reward makes no sense whatsoever? It makes no logical sense because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't give you one day is equal to 10 days, one day is equal to 10 weeks, one day is equal to 10 months, one day is equal to a year. This fasting on the day of the 9th of Dhul-Hijjah is equivalent to two years worth of sins that Allah wipes away, just washes away completely. Now, are we supposed to fast when the Hujjaj on Arafah standing there? Or are we supposed to fast in the 9th of Dhul-Hijjah for us? Now, subhanallah, ya ummat al-Islam, I urge you, it is the year 2022, 1443, post-COVID. 
are we really going to break each other, tear each other apart, debate with each other, cause ill feelings, break family ties, split communities over the same issues again and again? Or are we going to grow and realize that these matters, such as even the Eid Salah and the sacrifices on the day and the days of fasting, etc., these are matters of secondary importance. Now, I need to qualify what I'm saying. I'm not saying that they are not important, but for lack of a better technical uh, structure, matters of primary importance are those that are established via Qat'iyuthubut and Qat'iyudalala. Okay, it's very, very technical terms, but basically 100% authentic evidence and 100% clear in terms of its indication. And when evidence has this particular quality, then we say about this, we don't tolerate any differences. So for example, while the rest of the world debates about how they feel about the whole LGBTQ movement, as far as traditional Islam is concerned, if you ask what is the hukam of practicing anything in relation to that, uh, you know, homosexual type practices, and related matters, then the answer is the hukum is that it is absolutely haram. So that doesn't change because this is qat'i matters. These are matters about which we do not differ nor do we tolerate differences. There's the line that distinguishes what, what is Islam. Otherwise Islam is whatever we, whatever we think it is, whatever we say it is, whatever we feel it is. So we don't argue about that. But... Not all matters are those matters. There are matters that are what we call dhanni matters, meaning there are areas within which scholars naturally differed. Why do I say naturally differed? Because the primary evidence lends itself to interpretation intentionally by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we don't have time to elaborate on why we know this is intentional and how and examples etc. But the point we are trying to make here is that when Eid is and whether you should take an international Eid or a localized Eid or whether you should follow the moon sighting or a different type of moon sighting or calculations, etc. These arguments are going to carry on until the day of Qiyamah. That's fine. As long as we, as long as we debate the matter with wisdom, with hikmah, and we maintain our ties and our relations and we respect each other's views and we have tolerance, then there's absolutely nothing to worry about. Unity is not in conformity, right? Unity is not always in conformity. In other words, we don't, we don't think and behave as though the only thing that shows that we are united is that we celebrate Eid on the same day. That's not, uh, this, isn't, this is not, you know, the core purpose of unity. But as far as our own practice locally, the overwhelming majority of scholars here who are our leaders they are our leaders because they are our scholars and they are learned and the overwhelming majority of scholars across the world within traditional Islam all concur that we should follow on the local sighting so that's the majority but are there different views have some countries you know preferred a different view and then collectively followed that view absolutely but we are not in a Muslim-majority country. We are in a minority country. And therefore, we follow our leaders. And now, here's where we get, you know, sticky. 
because not everybody considers, for example, the Muslim Judicial Council their leader, and therefore they go their own way. But the majority of us, we do follow the Muslim Judicial Council because they have set the first Muslim-recognized body of ulama, and they've been guiding us with our communal matters from the very early days of the inception all the way uh, till our day. And yes, of course, there's been there's been conflict and there's been problems. There's been uh, you know situations that need needed to be resolved. And Alhamdulillah, they're still around. So. Let's keep all the debate and the argument aside and let's reserve the hatred, you know, for those things that deserve hatred. But as far as Allah is concerned, this is not a reason to hate one another about. This is a reason that we should celebrate how beautiful Islam is. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us that. Of course, we know this is not the purpose of the program, but we needed to know when do we fast? And the answer is Fast as much as you can during the first 10 days of the Hijjah. If you can manage to fast from the first till the ninth, then Fabiha wa Naimat. If you can, if you want to, you can fast on the seventh, eighth, and the ninth. If you want to, you can fast on the ninth and the eighth. If you want, the only day you can't fast on, or the days that you cannot fast on, are the days of Eid. So that's Eid al Adha and the days that, that follow it. So let's make matters easy for one another and encourage one another to do good deeds. And avoid, you know, arguing about matters to a point where we start developing ill feelings and yet the matters over which we were arguing. Number one, we were not qualified to argue about it. And number two, it would make no difference at the end of the day because some people are still going to go the one way and others will still go the other way. So with that said, we come back after the break to conclude about what exactly we can do to make the most of this time, inshallah ta'ala, when we come back. Bismillah, walhamdulillah, wassalatu wassalamu ala rasulillah, wa ba'd, ahlan wa sahlan wa marhaban bikum, welcome back to Hajj, Journey of the Heart. I'm your host, Manana Irshad Siddiq, and we are looking at what we can do as a basic program so that we can benefit the most that we possibly can from the first 10 days of Dhul Hijjah. Most of us are occupied. We are working, we are looking after our families, we are occupied during the day, sometimes during the night. So we have our normal lives going ahead. We're not gonna get leave. We're not maybe some of us are so fortunate, mashallah. But for the most part we have to figure out how we can make the most of it. So for a basic program, number one, avoid haram more so now than you usually do. And if that means just don't listen to music watch TV during these 10 days, then so be it. And stay away from bad influences, bad friends, and bad online content. So that's the first point. The second point is, give a greater level of importance and priority to your salah and everything else that is fard in your life at this moment. So don't go and look for extra stuff before you give attention to your prayer. Perhaps you are praying, mashallah. Are you praying on time? Okay, mashallah, if you're praying on time, great. Are you praying at the beginning of the waqt? If not, then do so. Are you praying in jama'ah or by yourself? Pray in jama'ah, it's 27 times better. Are you praying your sunnahs before and after the, the relevant uh, salahs? If not, pray your sunnahs. If you already are praying your sunnahs before and after, then pray the sunnahs that are not mu'akkada. So perhaps you're praying the mu'akkada ones, pray the ghair mu'akkada ones as well. 
Are you sitting and making dua and adhkar after the salah? If not, sit and make dua and adhkar after salah. My point in all of this is not that we should do all of what I just said, but wherever you are in relation to your faraid, in relation to your salah, you can take it a notch up during this time. And that would be a great way to take benefit and continue that benefit even after the 10 days, right? A big way is the making salah in jama'ah, especially males in the masjid. Number three, a simple one, but very effective, is fast as much as possible during this time. If you cannot manage the 10 days, then try at least three of the 10, and if not even that, then at least the ninth day. And for those of us who really want to fast when the people are actually standing on Arafah, then, well, I don't know exactly what the, the calendar difference is this time around, but if it is different, then fast when they're on Arafah and also fast on your ninth of Dhul Hijjah, because the function is on the ninth of Dhul Hijjah, the day before Eid Al-Adha. And then try and engage in as much dhikrullah and recitation of Quran as possible. Now, for most people, to fit extra stuff in is quite difficult, but there are some easy ways around that. So you may not have the time to recite Qur'an, you're working, so listen to Qur'an while you're working or while you are commuting. Listen to dhikrullah while you are working, while you are commuting and recite along as they do. Most of us wouldn't have time to have extra ad'iyah, extra du'as. Maybe we don't know du'as. Fine, right? But there's always a way. So my suggestion would be just Allocate either both morning and evening slots or just a morning or an evening slot. What do I mean by that? A dedicated time after Fajr or sometime before Maghrib ideally or after Maghrib if not. And then you just sit for a couple of minutes and recite some du'as and some dhikr. Which du'as, which dhikr? Well, whatever is easy for you. But there are also options like the Wird al-Latif of Imam al-Haddad which is, you know, very familiar recitations. And then there's some compilations such as the Fortress of a Muslim. There's uh, daily adhkar, these are more contemporary. And some more classical but expansive ones like Imam Nawawi's uh, Kitab al-Adhkar. And if you don't know that, then you could even recite Ratib al-Haddad by yourself. Because if you're a Muslim in Cape Town, you must have come into contact somehow or the other with the Ratib al-Haddad. And you don't need to say it in the way that we usually do traditionally. But those are du'as from the Qur'an and Sunnah compiled together in a beautiful way. We already know them. We've already memorized them. We can use them to take the most out of out of these 10 days. And especially for those who can afford to do so, give more sadaqah during these 10 days. And especially, and especially during the daytime. And the most important one is the sacrificial animal on the day of Eid al-Adha and then the sunnah disbursement of that meat. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the tawfiq to do that. Now, all that said, there's something that we cannot overlook. Remember the ninth of Dhul-Hijjah is so significant, Arafah is so significant, because this whole act of Hajj is built around one phenomenon and that is the phenomenon of Tawbah. When Nabi Adam والسلام, and Sayyida Hawa والسلام, when they reunited after being sent down to earth, after committing a mistake, 
They reunited on Arafah. On Arafah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent down revelation. Nabi Adam turned to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and said, Rabbana zalamna anfusana. Oh our Lord, we have wronged ourselves. Wa illam taghfir lana wa tarhamna. If you don't forgive us, if you don't show mercy upon us, ya Allah, lanakunanna minal khasirin. We will become of the losers. We'll be so lost. We won't even know how lost we are. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepted their tawbah from them. The day of Arafah is without a shadow of a doubt a day of tawbah. We know that for the hujjaj, whosoever performs hajj, and they do it well, لَيْسَ لَهُ جَزَاءٌ إِلَّا الْجَنَّةِ Yes, the reward is the ultimate, it's jannah. But to get to jannah, what do they get? رَجَعَكَ يَوْمٍ وَلَدَتُ أُمُّهُ They return like the day that their mothers had brought them into this world. Subhanallah. Now I'm, I want to emphasize that yes, the hujaj come back like newborn babies. But did you know that just a single moment of sincere tawbah, what we call tawbah al-nasuha, right now as you're hearing these words, whatever major sins you have in your life, make the niyyah to abandon them now, feel remorse for them, promise Allah you will never return to them, and if you've affected other people, make amends and do that now. Wallahi, just like the hujaj get a complete, new clean slate you too can have a complete new clean slate may Allah grant that to us when we come back after the break we conclude with dua assalamu alaikum ahlan wa sahlan welcome back to hajj journey of the hearts now the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam stood and prayed to Allah from the beginning of the waqt of wukuf till maghrib not taking a single break never letting his hands fall, well at least um, not to take a break. The Prophet ﷺ supplicated to Allah. And he mentioned والسلام, that the best of what he or any of the Prophets and Messengers before him والسلام, the best of what they asked Allah for on that day in dua لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له له الملك وله الحمد وهو على كل شيء قدير There is none worthy of worship besides the one and only Allah alone. He has no partners. To him belongs the kingdom. To him belongs all praise. And he, Allah, has power over all things. O oh Allah, O Lord of everything in creation, O Lord of the Hujjaj, O Lord of every Muslim, O Lord of the angels, O Lord of the Qur'an, Ya Rabbana, we thank you and praise you for all the favors that you continue to benefit us with and bestow upon us. We praise you, Ya Allah, for you are worthy of praise. We praise you, Ya Allah, we cannot count your praises. You are as you have praised yourself. Oh Allah, we thank you for having mercy on us and for giving us life and iman and for making us part of this ummah and for granting us the Qur'an. Oh Allah, we thank you for the favors of rizq that you provide for us every single moment of our existence. Oh Allah, we come to you as your humble servants. We have no one to turn to besides you, Ya Allah. O oh Allah, as Nabi Adam and Sayyida Hawa alayhimu salatu wassalam turned to you in tawbah and admitted 
their wrongdoing and admitted their weakness before you, Ya Allah. We come to you admitting our wrongdoing and our weakness before you, Ya Rabb. رَبَّنَا ظَلَمْنَا أَنفُسَنَا O oh our Lord, we have wronged ourselves. وَإِنْ لَمْ تَغْفِرْ لَنَا وَتَرْحَمْنَا O oh Allah, if you don't show forgiveness upon us, if you don't show mercy upon us, لَنَكُونَنَّ مِنَ الْخَاسِرِينَ Ya Allah, we will certainly be of the losers. O oh Allah, in this special time of the first 10 days of the month of the Al-Hijjah, we beg you, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, please, Ya Rabb. Ya Allah, please, Ya Rabb. Ya Allah, forgive us, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, forgive us of our mountains of sins. Forgive us for our grave sins. Forgive us for our secret sins and our public sins. O oh Allah, forgive us for the sins we perpetuate with our hands, with our eyes, with our tongues, with our ears, with our feet. Ya Allah, with these bodies that you had given us, with these minds and hearts that you had given us, Ya Allah, forgive us for the sins that we do despite knowing full well that you know what we do and that you see us. Ya Allah, forgive us for the sins we commit against ourselves, the sins we commit against our parents and our wives and our husbands and our sons and our daughters and our siblings and our family, Ya Rabb. Forgive the Ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Ya Allah, we turn to you on this day, we turn to you in dua, and Ya Rabb, we turn to you in tawbah. Oh Allah, forgive us for the major sins we've committed, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, forgive us for the major crimes we've committed, Oh Allah. Oh Allah, please forgive us and grant our tawbah to be accepted, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, forgive us like you, like you forgive the hujjaj. Allahumma ghfir lil hujjaj wa liman istaghfara lahumul hujjaj. Oh Allah, forgive the hujjaj and forgive those for whom the hujjaj seek forgiveness, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, as you've forgiven millions upon millions of believers in the plains of Arafah, oh Allah, and you've granted their, their freedom from the fires of Jahannam for all eternity, Ya Allah, through your mercy, Ya Allah, not a single, not a single speck of mercy has been depleted from your treasures of mercy, for your mercy is infinite. Ya Allah, we ask that we get one speck of that mercy, Ya Allah, and that we get the forgiveness that they got, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, forgive us as you forgive the hujjaj, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, grant us Jannah as you grant the hujjaj, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, make us haram for Jahannam as you make the hujjaj haram for Jahannam, Ya Rabb. Ya Allah, we ask you for every dua of goodness and every accepted dua that is asked in the plains of Arafah, that is that has been asked in the plains of Arafah, that is asked during these 10 days in this year and all previous years, Ya Allah. And we ask that you grant that to us, Ya Rabb. Ya Allah, we know that we are not deserving. We know that we are not deserving of your treasures, Ya Allah. But we don't come to you with what we deserve, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, we come to you with who you are. And you are Arhamur Rahimin. Ya Allah, please accept our du'as. Accept the du'as of the hujjaj. Ya Allah, grant us all the best in this world. Grant us all the best in the world you're after. Ya Allah, bring this Ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam united upon love, united upon true Islam, united upon truth, united behind true valuable leadership that we can trust, that we can really rely upon. Ya Allah, guide our leaders, Ya Allah. Forgive our leaders, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, grant us to be the nation of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that he wanted us to be and make us such that he will be proud of meeting of, of us when he meets us in the day of Qiyamah, Ya Rabbil Alameen. Ya Allah, make us from those who can drink from his blessed hands at the pond of Kawthar. Make us from those who can march into Jannah with him, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, make us from among those hujjaj. Ya Allah, make us from among the mu'atamireen. Ya Allah, take us to Makkah and Medina again and again, Ya Rabbil Alameen. Open up the path for us, Ya Allah. 
Ya Rab, please open up the path for us, Ya Rab. Ya Allah, please, please open up the path, especially for those less fortunate, Ya Allah. Especially for those who think that they'll never have the opportunity, Ya Rabbil Alameen. Ya Allah, you are the most merciful of those who show mercy. We ask you to accept our du'as. Ya Rahman Rahimeen. Wa sallallahu ala sayyidina Muhammadin al-Nabiyyil ummi wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa baraka wa sallam. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun. Wa salamun ala al-mursaneen. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Ameen ya rabbil alameen. Till next time insha'Allah. And this was Hajj Journey of the Heart. And I was your host Malana Irshad Siddiq. I bid you farewell. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.